Hello and uh, welcome to Affable Chat Off Script, the episodes of Affable Chat where, honestly, at this point, Off Script is just us not doing the specific format that we actually do for our usual episodes because today we are actually going to be talking about movies. and but more than just one movie and yes. not in the way we usually do. Right. We're going to... Well, you know, Joey and I have been in the movie reviewing game for a few years now mm-hmm. and, you know, we're always putting our opinions out there. But uh, I thought it would be interesting to get some other opinions from other people out there who are, are writing their reviews and mm. see how their opinions line up with ours. So I sounds picked, productive. Sounds uh, healthy, right? You know, so we can see kind of how the game is outside of our own little bubble here. See how other That's people right. are doing it. Maybe we can learn a thing or two. So I scoured the internet for free reviews i i I initially went on this journey to be like oh we should compare ourselves to the writers over there at the new york times but they wanted a they wanted a dollar a month for the rest of the year i said forget that do you want my do you want access to my account i have Uh, is that legal are we allowed to say that out out loud (laughs) you don't want them coming after you that's right Uh, we're not that far from new york they'll come down here but um, <laughs> but I found uh, some reviews from a, a litany of sources, and we're going to go over those. And I want to hear, uh, you know, I, I'll give some of my responses, but mainly I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on this, Joey. So feel okay. free to jump in at any time. But today we're going to be kind of, you know, these are all movies we've watched and reviewed on Affable Chat. So if you want to hear our full opinions on them, of course, go check out those episodes. But uh, we're going to be talking about The Batman uh, we're going to talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and also everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, which when this comes out will have been our most recent episode. So that's not, I mean, it's a wide topic, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, I mean, there's a lot to cover. We've, uh, <laughs> yeah, and well, that's the one that we're going to probably spend the most time on, but we'll begin with The Batman. And this was a review I got from Google Reviews. Uh, Google user Matt Yancey gave the Batman one star out of five. Nice. And, uh, and Matt <laughs> says, spoil- in, in, in uh, parentheses, spoilers, but honestly, you're better off looking elsewhere anyway. Okay. Elsewhere for a different review or elsewhere <laughs> for a different movie? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just for spoilers. Uh, but he begins, just awful. First to address everyone else's concerns yes the lighting was is too dark the acting is cringeworthy and the plot would need the world's greatest detective to even find oh he's saying that there is no plot that's what he's saying <laughs> i um, guess so <laughs> i mean he is the world's greatest detective. i mean he's he is supposed to be the world's greatest detective but he's certainly not in this movie you know he's really just like a little he's like going on a treasure hunt you know he's like oh let me follow the clues uh, he's the world's greatest riddle solver for sure right. in this movie but well what did you what did you think is is the lighting too dark i heard people say that was a good thing and then obviously like feels like a very easy take oh it definitely like it was too dark take. that's bad i mean that's something that people were saying before they even saw the movie when they saw the trailers right. they were like oh it's it's oh the lighting is so poor i mean that was it's definitely a stylistic choice you can like it or not like it right but you know yeah. it, it works for batman so well he continues now to the main bat himself, implying there's like a, some sort of secondary bat or like tertiary <laughs> bats in the movie. 
Pattinson is the dullest portrayal I've seen yet. He's a subpar fighter wearing what must be diamond armor with the flexibility of silk. This man is struck with thousands of bullets. <laughs> diamond and effort? Sh- uh, is that a Minecraft reference? <laughs> <laughs> Production four, diamond armor, thorns. <laughs> and shows no signs of pain or wavering until the plot calls for it in the climax. This miracle armor is never explained. Um, I mean, it's just really good armor. I feel like it's pretty consistent. You know, he gets blown up. He gets shot at. You know, I mean, obviously his face is not totally like, uh, you know, his face is exposed. It's not covered up. But that's um, that's fine. You know, whatever. I, I never got a, I never got the sense that like, oh, it was inconsistent or like somebody somebody like, you know, like in uh, uh, The Dark Knight Rises where uh, what's her name puts a little knife into his chest through his armor right? right i didn't see any of that you know there was no inconsistency there so um yeah i'm fine with that i it thought Patterson w- did a great job fighting honestly i thought the fight scenes were visceral they felt much more like connected and uh you know powerful yeah i totally like, agree i don't you know kind of like feel his rage almost and then Matt continues, also, instead of the character's usual tendency to investigate a crime scene solo, Robert Battinson nice. insists on awkwardly shuffling around the room with every other cop, like he's just some cosplayer Gordon brought in for a ride along. I'm not going to disagree with that. He's definitely right. That is what Batman's doing. <laughs> and he is the least intimidating Batman to date. And yes, that inc- that's including TV's Adam West. Wow. <laughs> In The Dark Knight, we got the interrogation scene where Bale beats Joker to within an inch of his life. Chills. Okay. But in this movie, Batman talks to Riddler through a phone behind glass. And he throws a tantrum asking what have you done <laughs> with a bunch of o's over and over and over and i just want to say he used ellipses five times in that sentence uh, uh breaking uh, that great up great formatting for sure yes i mean <laughs> if he's going to talk about pacing right <laughs> which right. is another thing <laughs> that this movie certainly has has its own style for <laughs> well at least bruce wayne is portrayed well in this move ha ha halfway through movie he does a a dash ha ha breaks through uh that word well at least bruce wayne's portrayed well in this move ha ha no bruce is a moody brat and a recluse that looks like moody bat (laughs) he's a recluse that looks like he'd be more at home at a beach bonfire party with a guitar singing about his quote deep emotional soul pain i don't know what this guy is expecting honestly isn't that what batman is he's just like some emo guy who dresses up like a bat right i mean he's practically a furry at this point right he's just like i'm just gonna my persona is the bat you know i feel very connected and at home inside my my bat costume and i'm gonna go out and you know be the the best bat i can be go out there and uh you know uh, solve some crimes and beat up some some poor guys, you know. Just uh, uh, do a lot of punching, do some taking of punches, but mostly, you know, dishing out the justice, vengeance, even you might say. I, I don't. I never got the sense that Batman was like a very stable person that we should be emulating. Not, you know, look back at like, um, what's it? Uh, the the 1989's Tim Burton's Batman, 
right, with Michael Keaton. There's that whole there's that whole thing where he goes, "Want to get nuts? Let's get nuts." Uh, you know, <laughs> he's definitely not okay. He's <laughs> um, not the kind of person that like is definitely thinking straight, right? And certainly not in this movie, right? I, that's the kind of conclusion we came to at the end was like, uh, maybe he shouldn't be Batman. And that was kind of the point of the movie in general was that like maybe Batman is not a great idea altogether for solving problems, especially from Bruce Wayne's perspective. I don't yeah. Know. Well, what do you want from Bruce? I've always felt more satisfied when Bruce doesn't feel like a whole person because he really is Batman. Batman is who he is. And then Bruce is the mask, right? That's Mm -hmm. like the fun subversion of the superhero alter ego where he's, he really is Batman. He's just pretending to be Bruce. So being awkward, being less than a person is almost what I, in my opinion, like doing it well. Uh, It's like, what, what do you want from him? Do you want him to be cool and like an upstanding, like, yeah, th- th- no, because this be- guy wants, <laughs> this is the thing, right? This guy wants Batman to be the thing that he imagines him to be, which is the, um, the epitome of manhood and the, uh, the only rational, uh, uh path forward in a irrational world right it's like why isn't everyone dressing up like batman and fighting in the streets i mean that's obviously what should be happening here you know i like i've been dressing up as batman for years and nobody's ever taken me seriously so uh, i you know people run in fear from me so like this guy has no idea what's what it means to be batman because you know people aren't constantly staging interventions for me uh or for him or, or trying to uh, convince him that maybe uh uh, dressing up as a bat and punching homeless guys is not the <laughs> best use of your time. Well, I love that he calls him a moody brat and a recluse right before saying that he would be playing, like leading songs at a bonfire party. Like one right. of the most extroverted things you can do <laughs> is have everybody listen to you sing at a party. So, But it, he doesn't stop there. He continues. Riddler was an embarrassment. He looked like an annoying dweeb. His costume (laughs) was a gimp suit. I actually forgot about him halfway through the movie because he wasn't adding anything to the plot. This is, again, this is amazing, right? It's like, oh, man, like the Chad Batman gets schooled by the dweeb. This is not how the (laughs) world is supposed to work. I'm the alpha Chad in this situation. I've been reading all these, uh, I've been watching all those Sigma male videos that telling me that, you know, maybe it's a good idea to go my own way and uh, uh, dress in all black and, uh, you know, um, know, resolve my problems with violence. Maybe that, you know, but uh, all those dweebs out there who wear glasses and go on the internet, you know, they don't, they don't deserve anything. You know, they're, they're not smarter than me. I've got it all figured out. Yeah. He had a weak chin. Batman right. had the stronger genetic makeup, so he should My win. skull shape, Batman's skull shape, is far superior to Riddler's, <laughs> and therefore, that's how we know he's the hero. But, but it's not all negative. Matt continues. He did get one thing right, though. Batman is dumber than he thought. Seriously, why would he think that the rat with wings would be Penguin? They don't have wings so much as they have flippers. <laughs> the, fa- the, the, the famous um the famous fish that live on land penguins <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's um, awesome <laughs> all right now he goes on to catwoman catwoman was unnecessary her mm-hmm. outfit was uninspired and her motivations were confusing 
which brings me to Annika, which is still the same person. So I don't know why that brings well, no, no, him Annika's to... Annika's not the same person, is she? Annika's the girl that gets killed, right? In the trunk. Oh, you're right. No, Selena, you're right. I, I would I would draw that. Although I will say her motivations were not confusing at all. I felt like her confusions were or her motivations were plainly stated. She's probably the most sympathetic character in this movie. And you know, she is acting she's doing what Bruce wants to do, but she actually has no other choice. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Whereas yeah. he has a choice and he chooses wrong, at least in my opinion. Well, he, he let's let's talk about Annika. Annika was well, actually, I have no more ellipses, by the way. There, okay, <laughs> Annika was, well, actually, I have no idea who she was. In the car, Selena calls her babe. So my first thoughts were lover, but then maybe just a roommate, too. I don't know. But Annika is kidnapped. Is that what by you're focusing Fal- on? <laughs> <laughs> no wonder this guy couldn't find a plot. He's like, wait, what is the. What's the sexual orientation? What's the what's the uh, relationship status of of, uh, of Catwoman right now? Um, <laughs> is she taken? <laughs> but but Annika is kidnapped by Falcone for ellipses reasons, and which she was like, working at the club. They know the reasons are explained. Is the re- yeah yeah, okay. yeah the the yeah the reason that she gets kidnapped for uh, Falcone. If, I mean, it's been a while since I watched this movie, but it was because she was sleeping with the mayor. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and she got like wrapped up in their little crime world and they didn't want her to, uh, to get away. That's right. So yeah, she was uh, loose end. She was loose end yeah. and she was expendable because she's just like a, you know, a nightclub, uh, waitress or cocktail waitress or whatever. Right. Right. And, uh, and her strangled scream is sent as a voicemail to Selena who in turn goes after Falcone. Talk about chilling. I mean, that's, that's a chilling moment for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and her strangled scream is sent as a voicemail to Selena, who in turn goes after Falcone, her plot twist father, and tries to shoot him, claiming, this is for my mother. Wait, mm-hmm. so is Annika her roommate, friend, lover, sister, mother, or whatever? I don't care. Their relationship <laughs> is never clearly established. Okay, and this guy's clearly confused. Halfway through, he had, you know, he popped a rage boner because uh, Batman couldn't, uh, Batman wasn't punching enough guys. He was moody. He was, he was, he was too moody. And so he got, you know, he went off to take care of that. And then when he came back, he, uh, he saw this whole fight scene play out. Um, No, I mean, again, it's pretty obvious if you watch the movie, uh, what's going on again, like the movie is, the, the plot is complicated, but it's not hard to follow. You know, uh, Selena's clearly talking about her own mother who was killed by Falcone um uh who worked in the club completely separate from Annika. This is Annika's just the latest body count um from the Hilt the the Clinton backed Falcone. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's possible for someone to kill multiple people and you f- to care about multiple Both people. Of them. Right? <laughs> and then not be the same person. <laughs> uh all right and, and he continues and some other irks here and there. I don't think we even got a clear shot of the Batmobile. It was too dark, but it looked uninspired. Like something you'd see at a rally track. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't I mean, I guess it's a little bit it's not as quite as cool as the Tumbler, I suppose, but which is I mean, it was a pretty slick car. I don't know. I thought it was badass. And really, I, I felt like by you can see it pretty well, I think. There's a lot of good uh, silhouettes of it. 
Yeah. And then what you can't see in detail is made up for in sound design. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought it was a fresh take on the Batmobile. We didn't need it to be just another tank, you know? Uh, yeah, we, exactly. it, you, it could be its own a route something you see at a rally track cool thanks for making a new batmobile this guy just needs uh, to rewatch the dark knight you know right like <laughs> instead of watching this movie batman assaults gordon and escapes the entire gcpd in a gunfight then a few scenes later turns in falcone to the police in person as if he's a duly deputized citizen of the law what the actual hell <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I've kind of sort of lost track. I've been, I was thinking about this guy um, just angrily watching The Dark Knight being like, that's what they got right. That's what they got right. And I kind of <laughs> lost track of what you were saying. Sorry. Well, we're almost done here. He says, the last thing he says is, this movie is a disappointing flop. There are thousands of better things to watch. Okay. I mean, so. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably true, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of content out there, but that was Matt Yancey from Google, like not from Google, but on Google uh, reviews. Matt Yancey, his Yancey, one uh, Google uh, Google promoted uh, um, review. Well, what I love, like uh, this one is actually the at least when I looked, it was the first response under one star, like top, and like yeah. hundreds of people found this quote helpful. So uh, you know, there was a pretty good response, uh, maybe worth writing down. Um, and then now we're reading it too. So, um, you know, it's whether true. we, whether we love it or hate it, you know, Matt Yancey's reviews are getting out there. That's so, right. um, we'll move on to, uh, another film here with Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. And this is, I'm actually going to flip the script on you a little bit. Cause I've, I listened to what you and Kevin <laughs> recorded about this film and, yeah. uh, you know, without, you know, uh, try they trying to um, summarize you. You know, you guys have very uh, nuanced, re, you know, review of this film, but I don't think you guys would have given it five out of five stars. Uh, so no, yeah, so, <laughs> absolutely so, not. So that's what we're going to we're going to read a five out of five stars review oh, okay. of Finally, Doctor we'll Strange. The correct opinion from the people <laughs> that love Marvel the most. That's right. right. Okay. And, and we'll see what you think of this. So um, unlike Matt Yancey, this one has no formatting at all. It is one block of text. Ah. So uh, here we go. Stream this is by Yes. <laughs> this is John Mainiero Jr. Uh, same thing on Google. Given this five out of five stars, he says of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I can see why some would find it hard to follow, but for... <laughs> It was an absolute, he says, but for it was an absolute spectacle and had everything I wanted in a movie. While I admit I am a devoted Marvel fan, like what an admission. Oh man, <laughs> coming out of the closet here. There have been... What, okay, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What did he Go think ahead. was hard to follow? Was, no, it no, the, no, uh, was it the part where uh, Doctor Strange stands on a little circle and then they have like a like a they, they, they say, OK, now we're going to talk about his backstory, um, you know, <laughs> and they like have a little thing that says like backstory station, like ex next stop exposition station. Um, and they just explain like point blank to you, like how America's parents were, were killed or, or how they did, got disappeared or whatever. Um, yeah. The, the, was that part confusing? um uh, to to the audiences um or maybe like uh there there were two books in this movie right there was the dark old and then there was the other one that um the mcguffin by mcguffin as i yes. called it um <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> like, I guess that could be confusing because, you know, sometimes it's, that's more books than you see an entire day. Um, if you're, you know, if you're a Marvel fan, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just like matt you couldn't tell the difference between them right it's like oh which book is that oh no i don't <laughs> I can't care tell. i don't, can't i can't tell what the difference between these books yeah i'm sorry i don't know i don't know what he meant by not hard to follow that's not that's not the problem this movie's problem <laughs> well i think i think mainly he's hedging maybe thinking that other people thought it was hard to follow you know i can see why other people would think it's hard to follow nah, yes, but he yes. he's not but he says i'm gonna he's smarter I, than I, the I, average bear that's right. Uh, definitely smarter than anyone who didn't like this movie. Uh, while I admit I am a devoted Marvel fan, there have been times where I questioned their choices for film style, script, and casting. But this mm. was not one of those times. So oh. forget about what the <laughs> critics say and go see it to form your own opinion. Oh, thank you. <laughs> right. Like normally, why you did, can let why the did you bring that up you. then? If it's. <laughs> There are other movies where I thought, hmm, not sure about that. But this one, no. I was I was sure about that time. This one. <laughs> it touched upon multiple genres and themes, including, okay. but not limited to, sci-fi, <laughs> fantasy, this guy is like, action adventure. This? this guy is Homer Simpson. He's about to step into a hedge. He's, he's hedging so hard. Everything he says has a caveat. <laughs> sci-fi fantasy action adventure humor thriller and of course with sam raimi at the helm mind bending horror oh, reminiscent man. of his evil dead franchise <laughs> yeah like as to putting bruce campbell in every movie that he's ever directed <laughs> wow this is vaguely reminiscent of the evil dead franchise <laughs> Uh, I mean, okay, let me just talk about that for a second. Because there are Sam Raimi references. There are Evil Dead references explicit in this movie. But that's all they are, the only references. You know, what's so great about these things, right? Is it that they were inventive ways to tell a story on a low budget? You know, were they, was it that they were iconic? Like, they were shots that conveyed a lot of emotion because a lot of things were, you know, built up around this thing, right? That, uh, that famous shot of the hand reaching out from the grave, right? Which is like using the 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 um, what's it? Uh, the promotional trailers and the and the posters the poster. and stuff. You yeah, know. yeah, that like uh, this idea that like no matter what you do to them, they always come back, right? Even when you chop them up, they're still alive, right? You can kill, you can hit them in the head, you can bury them, and they'll just keep coming. You know, there's a lot of emotion related to that. Same with the force, right? Which is the way that Sam Raimi uh, shows like. Um, the the monster's POV, right? It kind of in like the smooth movement and the wind noises right, right. that you know Sam Raimi famously did himself um, for uh, when he made the Evil Dead. Um, you know, all of those things happen in Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness, but but are devoid of context beyond that Sam Raimi uh, directed this movie. You know, they're they do not <laughs> they are not. Um, conveying a different uh like or an interesting idea they all they're doing is saying hey remember that thing hey remember that thing which is the cheapest thing that we've seen in all these movies that that keep coming back with new and new things right star wars Jurassic world all these creatively bankrupt franchises that have nothing to offer anyone all they can ever do is reference better things that came before them so yeah i take extreme issue with this idea that sam raimi brought something new and original to this movie because all he did was recycle all his old shit 
<laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like the references in the sense that it, it's like cool to to make it to pay homage to something great in the past, or to let your director really. This felt like a different movie than like I, I wouldn't say cookie cutter Marvel, but it's like wow, the director really got to have their influence on this film. But yeah, it's like kind of feels empty when it doesn't tie very well into anything that the movie's really doing. It's like, hey, by the way, Evil Dead, remember that? And then. It, the it, the movie isn't well served by that. Like you could have That's put right. the same things in a yeah in the the new Jurassic World or the new Star Wars if you wanted to put like the Sam Raimi spin on it, right? Yeah, there's nothing unique about them for this movie, right? You might as well just put an Evil Dead poster in the background, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> the same thing. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is the universe where uh, Sam Raimi's in this Illuminati. This uh, is this, this is the Dead universe in which Sam Raimi directed Evil Dead, but it was PG, so uh, Wanda's kids are into it. <laughs> Uh, okay all right uh here we go where were we yeah so he was saying uh evil dead franchise yeah the the creature designs were gruesome and memorable the story was perfect for this film questions were both answered and unanswered and perhaps best of all the cameos and this guy is literally turning into a shrub he's literally just we're the nice to say knee. Bring me this guy. <laughs> Nothing he says has any substance to it. It's all just like, oh, the, the, he, they did this, but also there was this, right? Like, you, you can describe literally anything this way. <laughs> right, but it's also, these things are not self-evident. To say that the, the monsters were gruesome and memorable, I don't remember them. Like, I remember tell the me one why with the big they're eye. memorable. And I guess I remember the one that had like, uh, it was, it's really hard to describe in his like uh, dream vision, right? Where like it's like but tentacles. Yeah, yeah. The thing that like, stabs him. Yeah, what yeah. Is that that thing reminded me of something. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was from the Fantastic Beasts uh, movies. That that like uh, weird uh, thing that Ezra Miller um, turns into at the end of the first movie. You know, it's like a big cloud of like tentacles and stuff. Uh huh. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. It was some sort well, of monster. Like- uh, Listen, you don't have to write every single detail down in a review, but just to claim that they were gruesome and memorable, like oh, I, I remember, I remember the big stone monsters that can't fly that were on the top of a like a giant <laughs> temple <laughs> that seemingly could only exist there, but also were never meant to exist. Like, there. like definitely like the um, the worst guardians you could come up with. I didn't see them do a <laughs> single thing like to help guard or anything. They were just there. All right. Well, uh, yeah, also just saying the story was perfect for this film. What? Like, what, I guess, what does that mean? I, mean? I guess that's, uh, I guess it means nothing. I mean, perfect for this film. Which one did you think was better? The questions that they answered or the questions they left unanswered? I honestly don't <laughs> want to spend the brain energy to even try to think about what he's talking about. Um, so, okay. oh, yeah. uh, all right, so let's get you. Perhaps best of all, the cameos and variants of beloved characters and heroes were not only nostalgic, but also served as a form of wish fulfillment. I mean, literal fan service. That's like, true. That's all he's saying. It, it, they had fan service. I was a fan did. and I was serviced. That's um. right. <laughs> Following that, the acting was a perfect blend of the MCU's unique style of humor mixed with intense serious moments i did not really expect to get scared in any way yet i still ended up jumping out of my seat at moments 
even if I totally saw it coming. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> this is the kind of guy that uh, that goes through a haunted house twice and thinks it's more fun the second time. <laughs> Uh, despite the various cameos in the introduction of America Chavez, Benedict Cumberbatch continues to prove he is a key player in the franchise through his titular character's conflicts, struggles, and triumphs. If he's not, no, honestly, I t- could not disagree more. If they continue making Doctor Strange movies, they're going to just write him out of the story the same way they did with Captain Marvel. They're like, oh yeah, uh, we accidentally made her too powerful and therefore she can't actually solve any of our problems unless it's like the last possible second. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like he's just going to be Dr. Manhattan and just like sit up there on Mars and just like uh, contemplate uh, his place in the universe at some point because he's just so powerful. He's lost all connection with humanity. I mean, there's just no way for him to like continue existing as a normal person. Uh, right. So. Well, unless unless he intentionally lowers his power level by right. creating chains and then having to pull the chains with his physical strength. That's right. And not some sort of magical strength. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know the problem I need here is I need to pull this monster toward me. Uh, my problem is it's not a good. It doesn't have a good grip. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a couch. It's very unwieldy. It's hard to move. <laughs> Lift with your legs, not your back, Dr. Strange. Come on, Dr. Strange. (laughs) All right, so he just said that, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch's performance continues to prove he's a key player. However, the standout character is definitely Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda Maximoff, Mm. who steals every single scene she is in through both words and actions nice <laughs> the two things <laughs> the two things actors do <laughs> words <laughs> and actions <laughs> way to list them out <laughs> between the mind-shattering visual effects outstanding choreography and twist uh, and twist and turns that mm. will leave your head spinning and stomach aching <laughs> 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 oh no i ate too many packing peanuts <laughs> while i was watching dr strange oh man this movie's so good my stomach is hurting <laughs> uh, uh, okay stomach aching this is definitely one of marvel's most unique films to date i highly recommend people go see it whether you are a fan of marvel or sam raimi I truly feel it blends the his vision with Marvel's material perfectly. Wow, I no, I like this movie definitely feels so like bland. Like it feels completely flat to me. You know, I like there are so, a few cool things that they do, but it's so far few and far between that I just uh, didn't care. You know, and I never felt like any of that stuff really like built to something that was meaningful and i was just so basically bored the whole time you know i i never got that sense of dread i or i never got that sense of camp either like either of those things that sam raimi like excels at right with um evil dead just this idea that these things are completely unstoppable and un like unkillable and just uh, like you have to freaking find a way to get to it right 
And then finding the humor in that too. Like there's definitely hilarious moments in the Evil Dead that come out of basically nowhere, right? Um, that is not present at all in this movie, right? I never, I, I was sitting there just waiting for it to end. That's how it felt. I never, I never felt any emotion other than a slight disgust when they pull the eye out of that eye monster. Um, and I, you know, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm happy to, to feel a certain way, right? Uh, disgust right. is certainly something that, um, you know, maybe not my favorite emotion, but something that if a movie got me to feel that way, I would be impressed by. Um, and then like the camp of the, the Raimi trilogy, right. Of the Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, right. There's a certain earnestness that's, a, that's present in those movies where they're not taking themselves so seriously, but they're also like being very, they're being very genuine in their kind of over the topness, right. It, it, they're, they're going there and it's sure there are like some serious moments and like actual sacrifices that Spider-Man has to go through and it, gives you some emotional weight but that's but part of that is built on this genuine feeling that you're getting that there's some sort of something authentic about this movie there's nothing here nothing like that in this movie it just feels like oh another chapter in dr strange book you know i never felt like he was actually in danger like just oh it's just like i guess this is a fun story about how i saved a girl from another universe or something it's like barely anything and i i never got like a sense of like oh people are having fun making this movie or that i'm having fun watching it or the other thing, which would be, oh, this movie is scary. Or like, oh, like, uh, I've got this intense, like, tickle in the back of my neck. You know, I can never look away. Uh, nothing. I, yeah. I felt nothing. Right. It, it, it just, yeah, like, I think yeah, another step in the Marvel kind of endless storyline is really how I felt about it. And, and going back to kind of the influence of Sam Raimi, there were other parts of this movie that I thought were cool, but they were just kind of standalone with like no real uh like it didn't really tie together with the rest of the movie for instance the part where they're fighting with the musical notes yes i thought that was awesome but it, it, like the actual sequence was cool i like the way that the music tied in with the the like the timing of all the magic attacks and stuff but it was like where did that even come from why did you think oh i'll go straight to the sheet music that's my best weapon that didn't get set up at all and it would have been no. cool if like there was some sort of like musical influence throughout this movie or, or something where he's at the wedding at the beginning and there's like the the uh, the cellist at the wedding is right like, and playing, he's like and the notes like, are like coming off of it and he can see them or something yeah. right right and he's like you know there is something magical about music or something like that but no that would be cool <laughs> that would be a, that'd be a neat thing yeah no like and, and again like the i don't understand how the magic works at all right i have a sense of how most of the other like powers work right i i basically know how thor's hammer works pretty well i have a i have a pretty good understanding of it and they can add new powers to it where he like summons lightning or whatever right but it's like i i, I get an idea of what this is you know i i i know um like ant-man's powers very well right i understand the shrinking and the making big and like how when he gets sh when he shrunk down he can punch harder than when he's like bigger you know all that stuff is explained to me it's shown to me over and over again it's reinforced and i understand and then they do something clever with it and it becomes very satisfying right never i mean i guess in the first doctor strange movie they do a pretty good job of explaining how the time stone works and they, and there's that really satisfying conclusion where he's facing off against that demon where he's resetting himself every time he dies right and that's a that's a great payoff for that movie but in this one it's just like i'm powerful and can do magic I, I just don't understand what the magic is like I, I don't understand how it's supposed to work i don't understand what the like sequence of events is that causes something to happen like is it the movement of his hands is he thinking really hard right is he believing in himself i i just have no idea what this what it is or how it's supposed to work so when he pulls up the music it's like 
what is happening right now, right? <laughs> I have I have literally no idea what's going on. Like, are the notes like representations of something that he saw? And if that's true, then why couldn't he just make bullets or something that's more dangerous <laughs> than notes? And like, uh, you know, does the, the the notes themselves have to like inflict any sort of damage to the guy? And then he can also rearrange them into his own notes to turn a different color. Uh, yeah, again, like you said, it's a cool sequence, but I have no context for what it means or what it's supposed to do or even if it's a good idea you know what i mean like oh wow he's being very clever here i never got that sense because i have no idea what magic is or what it does to another person when it hits you with something <sighs> yeah it's it's perfect you can you it can be just as powerful or not powerful as you want at any moment for the sake of the plot and like the suspense yeah it's uh fun i guess i well we're not quite done i did want to get a one out of five on this uh, to, just okay. to give you an, uh, an opportunity to hear uh, one of those. So this is from Danica Dawn Lenarda. Okay. Uh, and and uh, Danica Dawn, one out of five stars, they said, this movie was bad, terrible, awful. First, America is a boring character with no depth or personality. That's true. i do not care about the romance between dr strange and his love interest there are billions of women in the multiverse bro pick one why go after a woman (laughs) i could not agree more with that question (laughs) why she's moved on why can't you move on yes why go after a woman that you refused to commit to why still love a woman even after she married someone who actually respects her it's honestly gross how dr strange tried to confess his feelings to her after her wedding bad romance oh my gosh what like what a dick move you know why even come you know i was like oh i'm gonna tell you how much i love you at your wedding like this is the wrong time to say that buddy you know like this is Maybe maybe tomorrow might be a better day, but probably not. You know, actually, that's one of the kind of things where you're like, you know what? They don't have to know. <laughs> you know? That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the, you know, this is just an expression of extreme arrogance, right? It's like not everyone has to know what, what you're thinking at all times. You know, you can, you can keep some things to yourself. I know it's ironic to say in a podcast, but um, <laughs> it's still true. <laughs> the, this dialogue and the storytelling is third grade level of writing. It is so bad compared to peak era of Marvel. Doctor Strange becomes a side character in his own movie. I mean, which yeah, I mean, you already kind of said. I mean, I don't know if he's a side character necessarily, but like, I mean, there's other thing, other people in the movie, right? But no, I mean, I agree that it's written very poorly. Um, it doesn't really make any sense. Is it editing and directing don't don't bolster it either? This next sentence is kind of standalone. Reed Richards's existence angers me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's just, it's just, it is disappointing to see him uh, being co-opted by the CIA, so. <laughs> well, I just loved, I just thought it was a fun twist because, you know, when you have the multiverse, you have unlimited possibilities. So you, really anything is possible. So mm. why not have a universe where Jim from The Office becomes Mr. Fantastic? I love that I, idea. I think that's great too. I actually like that cameo. I thought it was, it was exciting. Um, you know, to, it was probably the most exciting thing that happens in that universe, to be honest with you, considering that it looks identical to the universe that um, Dr. Strange came from. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, I mean, I, uh, I thought that whole sequence was fun. Uh, but again, it's like, you can have this literally, I mean, if you've watched the boys or invincible, it's like having your character kill a bunch of superheroes is always going to look awesome. Like it's going to be a cool action sequence, but it's like, how does that actually, how do you build your story around that? You know, yeah. are you just doing it to show us gratuitous violence? Like, it's a fun series of cameos, but, um, where do and you go from just there? Drops a big statue on Captain Marvel right like that that's what that's what gets her it's like okay (laughs) and then like and uh and uh captain carter right she can't catch the frisbee she gets cut in half by her own frisbee i thought that was her whole superpowers that she could catch frisbees i i don't i don't know yeah apparently not Uh, two hands you know do the alligator clap that's how i that's my (laughs) recommendation then uh, it continues. I am so sick of Wanda's sad man justifications for her demented actions. She mm. murdered hundreds of warriors who were trying to stop her convoluted plan and protect the universe. She possessed an innocent woman and forced her to go on a full-blown murder spree. Yet I'm supposed to believe that good mom Wanda will not be locked away for the rest of her life? She ruined <laughs> that woman's life and her children's lives. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's right about that. Uh, again, yeah, consequences, uh, not exactly a thing. Um, yeah. And also I feel like it's obvious, but like this all, all kind of treads the same ground we already covered with WandaVision. I was supremely disappointed that Wanda was a villain in this movie, right. not because I can't handle it when one of the good characters becomes a bad character. It's because we already had her be the bad character. And the only reason that show was satisfying is because she was somewhat redeemed at the end. Right. I, I won't she say went fully through redeemed, some sort of, yeah, she went through some sort of grieving process. That yeah. came to terms with the with her with like her grief and like where she was as a person, yeah. Um, no, in, in like in a way that was very unique to her, right? And you know, certainly could have done it in a more healthy way that it affected less people. But right. um, you know, it's a television show, so it's it's for entertainment. <laughs> it's- right, right, right. But it's like the now this is ruining Wandavision because it's like, yeah, well, she really doesn't grow. She right, actually th- doubles that's down. That's the thing that's really frustrating, right? I was reading some reviews on Reddit for this movie, and they were like, is anybody else just, uh, like, was anybody else blindsided by the fact that um, uh, Wanda had kids? <laughs> like, um, like I, I had no idea that she had kids in the first place. So, like, when they just, like, are like, oh, the kids are here, they keep talking about her kids, I was like, what are they talking about? And, like, yeah, that's, that's certainly true. If you hadn't watched WandaVision, then you wouldn't understand that plot point. But if you had watched WandaVision, <laughs> you'd be pissed off because they just reverted the... She just, like, uh, she did a uh, John McClane. So, yeah. Yes. And I did love that you brought in Die Hard into the, uh, the review you did, uh, the episode you did about this movie, because that really resonated with me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm glad I could use that as a metaphor. It's all worth it. But it continues, why didn't Wanda just go to a universe where her kids were orphans? Or a universe where no exactly. one is dead? Or better yet, just get pregnant in her own universe by a regular loser that reminds her of Vision. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. When Kevin said, when Kevin was like, uh, hear me out. <laughs> Wanda ne- never got pregnant from Vision. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, he's got, what is this, robo-dong going to get yeah, her exactly. pregnant? Come on. <laughs> Anyways, I didn't sympathize with Wanda before in her previous show, and I don't now. 
Wanda victimized so many people in her first show. And in this movie, she went on a ruthless killing spree, just annihilating people left and right. She even murdered a helpless man who was crawling away. Wanda slaughtered so many innocents, even killing the version of her own friends with no remorse at all. Her losing vision and her non-existent children will never be a good justification. Nothing she went through in her life justified any of her actions. She ruined and erased so many lives just because she doesn't get what she wants. Oh, and don't get me started on the female versus female fight convenience. I understand Captain Marvel, but not Captain America. Wanda one-shots everyone else, all the males, including Reed Richards and Xavier, except those two people. <laughs> I didn't. Yes. I, that's not a connection I made. No, I. Uh, uh, I definitely. I'm always thinking about that because it's so yeah. so gratuitous, right? Marvel like is terrified of watching any of their female characters lose or, or being shown weak in any way. I mean, this is the Captain. This is the Captain Marvel problem, right? Right. The, right, the problem right. with that movie is that she just walks in and solves every problem without any sort of trouble. She just gets stronger and stronger, and no matter what threat it is, she just goes on, right? And it be, and she becomes Superman, and Superman is boring. So, um, yes, I I, I agree. Like. Uh, you know, if you actually wanted to treat your women characters with like respect and dignity, then you would show them with some sort of flaw or weakness um, that they have to overcome, uh, which is one of the things I liked about Scholar Witch is that she wasn't like the most stable person, right? Even back in Civil War, she was questioning her own uh, ability to save people's lives or her place in the Avengers team. You know, she had all this power, but she wasn't sure how to use it. All of that stuff was, uh, and then, she, you know, she took comfort in vision vision and her tried to run away to you know i don't know amsterdam or something um and you know try to live quiet lives uh, where they weren't you know being pulled into uh intergalactic conflicts but of course that was no longer an option either so again like um uh, there's something nice about wanda as a character where she has this flaw that she has to overcome. She has problems. She has tragedy that she has to solve and um, you know reconcile within herself. Um, and for you to just simply say, "Oh, now she's the bad guy and she's completely unhinged," undoes a lot of goodwill that was built up over the last ten plus years. Absolutely, and and it ends here. The whole plot is predictable, lazy, unoriginal, and the characters are either dumb, incompetent, or just plain boring. Two out of ten, which. You know, if you simplify that fraction, actually does adhere to the out of five that Google offers. So one out of five. Nice. Uh, and honestly, well written. Shout outs to uh, Danica Dawn Lenarda for that one out of five star review for Doctor Strange and Multiverse yeah, of Madness. Yeah, make sure you say that was helpful. Yes, uh, smash the up goat button. Uh, <laughs> we will, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about everything, everywhere, all at once. Read some of those reviews. So stick with us. Hi, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is DJ Jones, nose tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. This is Squilliam Fancy Son from Band Class. And you're listening to Affable Chat. My favorite podcast. Good day. I'm an Australian wildlife expert. When I'm out in the outback, I love listening to Affable Chat. It's the best podcast ever. Even the animals love it too. This is Corey Novotny. This is Donnie Dolphin. Oh, it's me, Daddy Zuko from Greek. This is Ghislaine Maxwell, and you're listening to Affable Chat. And we're back. 
reading other people's movie reviews and uh, and talking about them. Next, we're going to be reading reviews for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which, again, is the most recent episode that we've put out since uh, well, at the time of this recording. So go check that out uh, if you haven't already. But this next review comes from Brian Baker over on Google Reviews. That's where I got most of my reviews for this. <laughs> all of them so far. Uh, Brian Baker gave everything everywhere all at once one star out of five. And his review goes like this. The many positive reviews describe this movie in many ways, which, of course, a review of the movie, it's, it's great to start by reviewing the other reviews of the movie when you start That's right. Off, so right? is this a review That's of the a- movie or a review of the reviews? Well, let's see. The, the many positive <laughs> reviews describe this movie in many ways. Exciting, deep, emotional, a roller coaster ride, quote, it made them cry, clever, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite emotion. It made me cry. Like, <laughs> no, 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 it's. The, I'm the feeling quote, very. I made me cry. The quote is, "It made them cry." It so it's telling. Cry. Is it a quote from people who are saying that, like, "Oh man, I watched this movie and it made them cry." <laughs> like the <laughs> quote is. <laughs> what does he mean? Does here? he not believe people cried while watching this movie? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> It made them cry. The list goes on. One quality that I couldn't find anywhere, though, was well written. Nice. Well (laughs) done, Brian. Harsh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know how hard he looked. (laughs) This is not a movie one could easily write down into a novel, simply because there really isn't a coherent plot or flow of events. Oh, uh, let me propose something for you, Brian. Novels and movies are different. (laughs) They're different (laughs) mediums. They do different things. Watching this movie, I kept finding myself thinking, wait, wait, how did this person get here? Wait, Brian was thinking during this movie? (laughs) (laughs) He kept finding himself thinking. So he was like kind of subconsciously thinking. I'm pretty sure people have warned you against doing that, Brian. I kept finding myself thinking, wait, how did this person get here? Why are these two people fighting? Why is this person angry? What is the motivation of this person in this scene? Or better yet, how does the multiverse work here? Why does the daughter just happen to be on the end of all the puzzle pieces of the multiverse? Sounds convenient. The list goes on, which is the second uh, time he's said the, the list, list goes does on. go on. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like he kind of has a point here about like, like why is a Deidre like fighting or like going after, um, what's her name? Uh, going after Evelyn. So, uh, you know, so Ham, why is she like doing all this stuff? Right. I mean, she's certainly, I mean, they certainly give you an explanation. Uh, one that, you know, it does maybe uh, is not as flushed out as it could be, but like the influence of Jobo Topaki, you know, right? Like uh, someone who is, uh, you know, going in there and messing with the people's minds and you know convincing them that there's nothing worth living for and therefore they should just go, uh, you know, destroy this person for um, their sake, right? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, the bagel is certainly um, 
uh, portrayed as seductive um, and it's nihilism as we see in the real world is certainly seductive. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like uh, maybe there's some inferences you could make or maybe there's a, you know, some reading between the lines, although you can't do that because it's not a novel. So I don't really know <laughs> if that's the right, <laughs> the right terminology. <laughs> yeah. Don't make him a hey, careful with your wordplay here. Don't make, you him, might think, get him, to don't think make him read. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It is an utterly confusing and frustrating movie to people who have a disposition for breaking apart complex puzzles and, quote, looking underneath the hood mm. and wanting to know how things work. The mm. multiverse is a naturally very confusing topic to most people, so having a good storyteller able to effectively guide the viewer slash reader, because remember, we need movies to also be accessible via book right right to be novelizations are the best way to experience any movie i've been saying this for years right the book is always better than the movie especially when the book is written after the movie especially when the yeah exactly especially when the book is based off the movie they're able to guide the viewer slash reader through the complex minutiae is critical Mm. which i I completely disagree with i felt like it was very easy to understand what was going on i I felt like they did a like just enough to repeatedly show us how verse jumping works and once you get that it's pretty much all you need i think that there is something i mean this is what i said in our review too was that they don't they're not super consistent and they they don't explain it they don't explain everything about how the multiverse works Uh, especially once uh, evelyn transcends into you know you know, hyper level where she's like in every universe all at once, right? Um, that's like uh, they don't really explain what that means or how that works all that all that well. Um, but you know, at that point, it becomes pretty clear that this movie is only using the multiverse as a jumping off point to tell a very close personal story, which goes back to his gripe about it being the the daughter. It's like, yeah, it has to be the daughter. That's the only way this movie works. The movie is built around the family that's that's the whole idea you know when he's talking about you know well-written story it's about combining the macro with the micro showing the reflection moving them between each other and then showing visual metaphors for how people are interacting with each other in every scene i don't know maybe uh uh you know uh this movie uh confused him because it, it's like it just unlocked <laughs> A, a new level of storytelling uh, that we haven't seen in movies before. You know, it's not as straightforward as, uh, or as, um, you know, maybe confusing as Dr. Strange was um, or for that other, our other reviewer um, where, uh, you know, uh, there's only five universes and they're all in New York city. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I didn't think, I thought this movie did a lot of showing, not telling where they're like, Definitely. Hey, watch her become part of multiple universes. You don't, we don't have to tell you what's going on. She doesn't even know what's going on. She's yeah. just becoming everyone everywhere all at once. And that's, that's weird. Isn't it? That that doesn't have to make sense. I, I think no. they did a great job with that. And like, you know, what are they supposed to do? Sit down and be like, here's a physics lesson for like, what's going right. on here? It's like, they're just making it up. They're just having fun with it. You know, like, right. uh, like they, if they went through that, then people would gripe about that. So, you know, whatever, whatever works for you, buddy, you know, uh, Brian, invent your own rules. And I'm sure they won't be inconsistent with, uh, with this movie. Um, yeah, they nor- need to go. <laughs> yeah. They need to take a page out of Tenet's book and have like a scientist that explains uh, like how the the devices work in the movie. Well, you it know? should be like the Big Short, where they just like 
they just cut the movie and they have celebrities explain the physics of how multiverse jumping works. <laughs> All right, this is this is almost the end of the review. In short, the positive qualities people are giving this film could also be applied to an acid trip or an amusement park ride. This was not an effectively communicated story, <laughs> making it difficult for me to okay, develop an Brian. emotional connection to what's going on. Brian, I'm so sorry, but you know people. You know why people go to amusement parks? Do you know why they take acid? <laughs> it's because it's fun. <laughs> it's because it's a fun thing to do. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah that one um i felt like this was going to be an easy one to lampoon just because this movie is so like self-evidently good but you know everyone's entitled to their opinion which is why i'm going to take us to our last review of this episode okay. uh we've got peter bradshaw over at the guardian so um ah. i don't know if you're like a you're kind of a like a, a guy who reads stuff so what is the guardian <laughs> do you, you care about their film opinion uh sure i mean they're a major publication where which They're, guardian is it like is it us uh, uk australia it just says news website of the year at the top okay. i'm gonna guess us but peter bradshaw is the author of this one and uh his twitter bio just says guardian film critic and he has sixty thousand followers ah good so, for you yeah good so he's here. a yes so here we go with peter bradshaw and his review of Everything Ever All at Once. He says, Everything Everywhere All at Once review. Nothing, nowhere, over a long period of time. <laughs> uh, classic. <laughs> Even, oh my gosh. It's so funny when... Uh, when uh, it's really funny when a movie like titles itself in a way that like allows for... Uh, <laughs> you know when it, uh, when it allows for like just immediate punnery, you know? Right, N- right. Knives out, not sharp. Um, <laughs> knives out blunt you know something like that yeah yeah um, yeah the rock uh, dull and boring right the rock sinks or uh <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> all right so here we go with peter bradshaw this hipster hype fest is an adventure in alternative existences and multiverse realities from writer directors daniel kwan and daniel Scheinert. The Daniels, in, uh, in quotes. Which, I thought it was just Daniels. Not according to Peter Bradshaw. Okay, well, I guess who, Eli was wrong. <laughs> who in? Well, it says the and then quote Daniels. Mm. So I guess that's kind of both. Who in 2016, uh, he's saying the Daniels, who in 2016 gave us the Jonesian comedy Swiss Army Man. Everything, everywhere, all at once has been critically swooned over in the U.S. and pretty much everywhere else. So Mm -hmm. it's disconcerting to find it frantically hyperactive and self-admiring, and yet strangely laborious, dull, and overdetermined, never letting up for a single second to let us care about or indeed believe in any of its characters. Wow. Um... I mean, I certainly felt like I believed in the characters, for sure. I felt like I had a really good sense of all the characters. And it wasn't just because they were shown to us in mul- from multiple facets. You know, you're seeing them through different lenses and different places. Um, yeah. I feel like I had a pretty good understanding of them. Uh, Absolutely. And, um, like, having, uh, what's her name who plays Evelyn? Um, uh, Michelle Yao. 
Michelle Yao, when I saw commercials for this movie, I, I think anybody can be the star of a movie, obviously. But to me, I was like, oh, interesting. There is a, uh, not just a woman, but also an Asian woman as the lead in this movie. Uh, and that's like not super common. Right. So, uh, especially, but after- especially of like, well, of her age, right? The middle right, age. Yes. Um, you know, Asian woman who is like, like, you know, in, in the movie, she plays that exact person, right? Like somebody yes. who's like, uh, definitely like a, a middle aged to like, you know, starting to get older, right? Her father is certainly on like near his deathbed and stuff. So she's like getting up there or whatever, but she's the star and protagonist of the movie. And despite all of that, I, like, I think all four of us white guys in our podcast felt very connected to her and felt like not, not like felt very related to like her struggle for sure. Yeah. I believed in her. I literally believed in her. And, and it's, it's something where it transcends, like it's what characters, which what you want characters to do in a movie is they become real to you. And she wasn't just, Oh, female lead Asian woman diversity hire or whatever. It was just a character. You know, and they established that really well with Waymond as well and Deidre and and everybody. Like, I I think just stating that doesn't do enough for me just to say, oh, I didn't believe it. I'm curious to know what what, like what he's what he how he's going to expand on that. Right. I also saw this. Speaking of Michelle Yao, I saw something on Reddit that I totally agreed with, which was that Michelle Yao could be Miranda Priestly from uh, The Devil Wears Prada. But Helen Mirren could never uh play the um crouching tiger hidden dragon um, wow you know uh, she you know she's an incredible talent for sure absolutely absolutely uh and he actually talks about her next so michelle yao plays evelyn i should have just looked instead of asking you it was literally the next <laughs> sentence <laughs> a chinese american woman who co-owns a scuzzy laundromat with her husband Waymond. Mm-hmm. Evelyn is discontented with her life and has a tense relationship with her daughter, Joy, using Joy's frail and old-fashioned grandfather, Gong Gong, who lives with them, as an excuse not to accept Joy's gay identity. Evelyn reaches a crisis when confronted by an angry tax officer, Deidre Bobidra, which I didn't even know that was her last name. I, uh, I, don't, I don't think they say it. It may be written on her, in her wall or something. Like I bet Maybe it is. It's on, it's on her desk. Words. Yeah, yeah, that's freaking hilarious. Deidre Bobidra, who is auditing their business and furious about Evelyn's attempt to claim deductions for a karaoke machine for the laundromat's community party nights, at which Evelyn also offers food. Mm. In her heart, poor Evelyn figures she could have been a singer or a chef or a movie star in another life, and this tax deduction issue triggers a crazy journey into any number of different universes for more than two hours. There are some nice gags and sprightly Kubrickian touches and one genuinely shocking scene when Evelyn fat shames her daughter, an authentically upsetting moment of family dysfunction that seems to come from another film, one in a parallel universe. But this mad succession of... What is he talking about? Oh my God. Does he not have a mom? (laughs) (laughs) Like... That's the, that's the, like that's the, that's the kind of like you know that's exactly the stereotype right is like like you she's she's out there oh my gosh it's oh my god uh, that scene <laughs> is amazing because of how they call back to it later they're out there in the and Joy is trying to leave right and she's about to get in the car Evelyn goes out there and she clearly has something she's like a frog in her throat she has something she wants to say and what comes out is criticism as it's always done. Joy, of course, is disgusted again by her, you know, lack of empathy or like her lack of understanding, like where she's at 
right? And um, the, you know, Evelyn sees this as maybe advice or something, but it's certainly not well received. Well, right? It's certainly not shown to be an endorsement of that. It's shown to be shown. It's what's. It's obvious that it's showing a flaw in our main character and showing something that she's not um, able to convey very well. And then it's beautifully mirrored at the end of the movie, the most emotional part of the movie, where she um, reconciles with Joy now that she has a better understanding of where she's coming from. And instead, and she still chastises her. She still tells her all these things that she does wrong, but she also tells her that she loves her. It's, uh, it, it actually like means something. And it's an incredible like grounding of this really wacky film uh, in that moment in the parking lot. So yeah, uh, honestly, Peter, um, I don't know what to say to you besides yeah. <laughs> you're getting hung up on the wrong things. It, it, <laughs> yeah, like, big time oh, miss. Fat shaming. Uh, well, you know what that means. That means this movie endorses fat shaming. Uh, no more fat people, uh, according to the Daniels. Uh, you've seen the Daniels? One of those guys is really skinny. So I think that they hate <laughs> fat people. <laughs> yeah, well, I I mean, I think he thinks it was like authentically upsetting in, in like a good way, but he totally misses that second part that you're pointing out. He says, but this mad succession of consequence free events, trains of activity which get canceled by a switch to another parallel world means that nothing is actually at stake. And the film becomes a formless splurge of nothing, nowhere over a long period of time. Oh, he was loves that his subtitle that or did he say, or did you just say that twice? No, he definitely it was his subtitle so okay uh good, again this good, film good is much admired and arrives adorned with saucer-eyed critical notices mm-hmm. i wish i liked it more well i wish you liked it more too peter because it seems like you <laughs> fell asleep halfway through <laughs> you're absolutely right though he completely misses it because he's like oh my gosh this scene was good but they didn't do anything with it it was the one standalone scene with anything in it it's like you moron <laughs> like, i mean uh- Talking about a movie that like cleans up after itself, right? Like, um, not only is the like film so tight because it's referencing itself, right, in its main conceit and tying in this family theme so that there is this moment of true gravitas and stakes that are very, very easy for anyone who's ever had a mom to recognize (laughs) or been a mom for that matter, right? Um, like there's also all of this emphasis put on all these other wacky universes that you think they're just going to abandon later, right? The Rakakuni thing, like I like I said in our review, right? It serves multiple purposes. At first, it's just a place where she's a bocce chef, and then it comes back that like the somebody she's working with has a raccoon that's controlling him, right? And then she goes and turns to get that guy into animal control, and then she's controlling him. Like uh, riding his head, right, so that she can save the raccoon at the end to redeem this guy. You know, they, they didn't have to do any of that. They just they could have could have just been she's in a restaurant, right? Same thing with the hot dog fingers thing, right? That it was just a one off gag that turned into this emotional like story between these two people that are find like rediscovering love together. Like it's ridiculous, but at the same time, like it's it's so beautiful for them to like say, okay, let's make this thing, but then let's actually play in this space that we've created. Let's not just throw it away, right? Let's let's bring it back and and do more with it. Um, but. I, like they could have just they could have filled that space with extra universes, right? But it would not have been nearly as fulfilling um, to to actually go into that depth. So, yeah, I I could not disagree more with his take that like they, things just get shut off or something. This honestly feels like, gosh, 
I, I know this is de- like I don't know if this is true or not, but it definitely feels like that he he read a bunch of other reviews that were like, oh, this is positive, and he's like, well, no one's gonna read my review, so I'm just gonna say I didn't like it, um, and that I can put that in the title, and people will click on it, and be like, wait, there's somebody who doesn't like this movie, and um, it turns out he has no substance in this mo- in this article, but that's okay because once you click on it, it's all that matters. We're in the age of yellow journalism still, you know, Peter, the Guardian is suffering. You need to put that little blurge at the bottom that says, hey, hey, I know this is an awkward thing to ask, but can you donate us three dollars? We, you know, we're a propaganda candy machine we don't offer the same kind of level of insight that or uh, usefulness that wikipedia does but we definitely deserve your money just as much so uh you know please 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 pay my salary. i mean uh, the the free the subtitle does it for me like I, this guy is looking at it's like oh everybody loves everything everywhere all at once more like nothing i, I, nowhere. I happen to have a thesaurus on my desk yeah <laughs> <laughs> As, um, I, I saw this uh, TikTok of this comedian making fun of uh, like critics and like food mm-hmm. critics who like comes up to one of those free like sample trays at a grocery store and she tries the cheese and she's uh, she's like what is this Gouda and she tries it she's like <laughs> uh, more like not Gouda. Duh. <laughs> that is this guy who's like, oh, I can come up with a little funny wordplay to say it's bad. That's enough credit. Like yep. that's enough uh, analysis. For uh, me. Let me write an article around that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've got one bit. I'll accuse. I got an idea. I'll accuse this movie of having one gag and then I'll use exactly one gag in this art, in this review. It's, it's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> uh, well, that was fun. I, I like that. That was that a was good time. Fun. And, um, you know, and of course, I maybe they'll regret saying this, but anybody is free to come and lampoon our analysis. Oh, yeah, please. Movies. We'll read about it. We'll read it on the on the air. We did that yes. once already. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Send us emails uh, or whatever. Record your own podcast <laughs> with our podcast. But uh, <laughs> but that is going to do it for this one. Joey, thank you so much for, uh, you know, going t- testing out this uh, format with me. Um, I, I really appreciated hearing your thoughts well, on you these. For, I read a lot of reviews of these oh, movies. Wow. Uh, I thank so you for, for curating those because they were wonderful. I enjoyed each one for different reasons. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode. Should we do plugs? Should we, we should probably uh, you usually plugs, don't right? do plugs for... Uh, for off script so. yeah all right so, well then i'll do this go to applechat.com it's your new favorite website that's right uh period.com yes right underneath <laughs> of the uh the little alligator uh, uh i guess uh greater than sign on the keyboard that's what you're looking for <laughs> you've got don't press yeah, shift <laughs> you can see when it comes to apple chat we've got everything that we're doing there everywhere on the website all at once so you can check it out right there <laughs> com. all right that's that's uh, i'm just gonna end it abruptly right here okay